kind of cool about my job as a student pastor is I get to see students really grow up in, the, uh, in their abilities and, and grow up in, in their faith and, and see really a lot of change happen in their lives. And so today, uh, instead of hearing from me and a student takeover, you guys get the opportunity to hear from four of our student, really student leaders in our ministry here um, because I want you guys to see really more, less of what I am about and what that this generation is not a dead generation to the faith. That this generation is a generation that is going to boldly go out and proclaim the name of Jesus to the nations. And so this is a, a couple of my friends up here. We have Casey and we have Caitlin and we have Ella and we have Bryson. Bryson's the loud guy down front that you hear yelling. He's all about worship. He's on the choir as well on a Sunday morning. Um, and they're going to share their word with you this morning. So lean in um, to what they have for you this morning. And if you don't mind, I'm going to pray for you guys before we get started. Uh, God, thank you just so much. God, we ask that you just, um, you speak through the students here on stage this morning. God, um, that it's not just a, a cute message, God, but that you are boldly proclaimed through this, God, that people sitting here with us, worshiping with us this morning, God, that you do something in their hearts, that you open their hearts, their minds to be more like your son, Jesus Christ. We ask all this in your son's name. Amen. All right, so I would like to start out with, I wasn't really expecting this, but because I didn't think we were going to win, but go Hills. But as Christian said, my name is Casey, and today we're going to be talking about how to rely on God during uncertainty. Well, we are uncertain about a whole bunch of things that can be small things like whether any of us would throw up before we got up here or, to wear what, or what to wear today, or it could be more important things like the future, careers, relationships, finances, beliefs, or missions. Well, why do we have uncertainty? Well, about really anything. First off, I'm going to lay out some reasons why we are uncertain. I think we have a perfect example of uncertainty in the Bible, the story of Moses. So this leads up to be in Exodus chapter 3 and 4. So I'm going to summarize Exodus chapter 3, 1 through 10. So in that, God calls on Moses through a burning bush, and Moses, and Moses couldn't get close because it was holy ground. And Moses was afraid to look at God. The good, thing there, the good thing there is Moses understood that God is perfect and holy, and, Mo, and he was in a sinner. So God basically tells Moses to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. First reason for uncertainty is we feel inadequate. So, but I'm going to read verses chapter 3, 11, and 12. It, it says... But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And then God said, but I, he said, But I will be with you, and this shall be a sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. So in verse 11, Moses is uncertain why he should be the person to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. We have to remember that just moments ago, Moses encountered the God of the universe in a burning bush that wasn't actually burning up. So you would think Moses would have confidence in leading the people, but he did not. Moses felt inadequate for the task. I believe that we get like that a lot. At least for me, I know I use that excuse a lot. I'm not adequate enough to share the gospel, or I don't know enough about the Bible, or 
What if they ask a question I don't even know? But we have to remember that we have to have confidence in the Holy Spirit. Even if we mess up the presentation of the gospel, the Holy Spirit will move in the person's heart. The second reason for uncertainty is we don't feel like he is present. So we're going to read verse 11 and 12 again. For Moses said, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I'll be with you, and this shall be a sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. But as we can see, poor Moses misses it again. I feel like we get like that in some seasons in our life. We doubt God because we don't feel like he is present because we keep asking God for something, but we forget his answer might be no or not yet. But we still want what we, we still want what we want when we want it. And but the third reason for uncertainty is not believing in God's word. So here in verse 12 again, but I'll be with you, and this shall be a sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Right here, God encourages Moses by telling him, I will be with you. In some Bibles, it actually says, I will be certainly with you. And despite these direct encouraging words from God of the universe, Moses still has doubts and this uncertain because he is just having trouble weaving God's words to him. We know this because in Exodus chapter 4, verse 1, Moses says, Moses said, what if they will not believe me or listen to me to what I say? But believing God's word is key. Jesus says in Luke 16, 31, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. I, I do not read the, me personally, I don't read the Bible enough to know what it says sometimes, and sometimes I just don't believe it. I think the way to know God's will for our life is through his word. For, first and foremost, and we can talk to God through, through prayer. So even though we may not like it or understand why that is his plan, we know, we know that we can have peace knowing that we read in the Bible is his plan and, and it is for our good according to Romans 8.28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. So let's get down to chapter 4, and verses 2 through 9, God gives Moses three things to do to, to the Israelites. God gives Moses three things to do to prove to the Israelites that God sent him, and he does them right in, right in front of Moses. First thing he does, a staff you can throw on the ground, and it will turn into a snake. And then when you pick it back up, it turns back into a staff. The second thing... God told Moses to put his hand in his cloak and pull it out. And when he did, he had a skin disease. Then God told him to put it back in the cloak and take it back out. And now his skin was pure and cured. The third thing is, the last thing, God turned water into blood. So you would think that Moses would be confident or certain enough to do the task. But no, he was not. Which brings us... uh, to the fourth reason, we to focus on self. In verses 10 and 11, chapter 4, it says, 
But Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth, who makes him mute or deaf or seen or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? As we can see, Moses is still uncertain, even though in verse 11, God tells Moses, I made you how I wanted you to be and did not make a mistake. One of the reasons Moses is uncertain is because he is too focused on self instead of God. As I'm nervous because I'm uncertain that what people... What, what will people think of me after I get done speaking today? But God did not make him eloquent in speech for a reason. We don't know why that was the case. Maybe it was so God would be the focus and get all of the credit, and rightly so. We can uh, relate to this because God makes us how he wants us to be, and he does not make mistakes. For example, if we are bad at a sport, then God designed us that way. That doesn't mean we don't try at it, but it does mean he made us for that reason. Maybe if we're really good at a sport, then we would be even more prideful than we already are. Lastly, we are uncertain because of the details. We are uncertain about what God is doing in the details, what God is doing in and through our daily lives. We are uncertain about, about how we fit into those details, but if we remember the big picture Maybe the details won't bother us so much. We need to have a, a Christian worldview. For example, uh, we know God works everything out for good, for his glory and our good. So let's read Romans 8.28 again. Uh, and we know all the things God works for good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And also in 1 Corinthians 10.31 so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all of the glory of God. Also, we know God is sovereign and over everything. This should give us great comfort. God is running it all even when bad or evil things happen. God is still in control. Uh, all things... <laughs> there are many more verses about sovereignty, so this gives us hope. God is even sovereign over the greatest evil ever committed by human beings, the death of Christ himself. Uh, Peter and John in Acts 4, 23 and 28, when they, are, when they were released, they went to their friends and reported to what their chief priests and elders had to say to them. And, and then skipping, for, for truly in the city they were gathered together against your your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. This should help us with uncertainty. And now I'm passing it on to Ella. You're standing in a tunnel. It's crowded, but you've never felt more solo than ever. It's loud, there's smoke, bright lights, and all you can think about is how did I get here and how did I go this far? What I just told you isn't a random scenario. It's nothing bad. It was me on March 26, 2020. A lot of you guys don't know who I am, 
But one thing that Jonathan mentioned last week in the 11 services that I wrestle, I'm really passionate about it. It's my drive. It's everything that I do. Almost all of my big goals in my life are revolved around it. God has really given me a passion for it. I don't know why, but I love it. And one big thing about wrestling is strength. That's something that everybody thinks about when you think of the sport. When you watch it in the Olympics, and I'm not talking about WWE real quick before I say anything. That is not wrestling. I'm talking about real life wrestling on a mat. Because when you see it in the Olympics, you see these people that are big, they're buff, and they're huge. Holy cow, they're so strong. So I think there's three aspects of strength that you can apply to uncertainty. There's physical strength, which as you see here, I have these weights. You can visibly see strength. You can see that I'm curling it, and you can see that obviously I have enough strength to pick up the weights. The next type of strength is mental strength. Mental strength is on the mind. You can't see mental strength, but it's kind of in your mind, you know, you can get through hard times. In wrestling, there's a lot of times my coach always said the first person to score in a match to get the first takedown is most likely to win the match because in wrestling, when you listen and you watch the sport, it comes down to who wants the points more, who wants to get the pin, who wants to get the takedown. It's really, really important. This picture of me actually, it's kind of a crazy picture. That was in the semifinals at preseason nationals this in 2021. And as you can see, I'm zoned in. I call it beast mode. You cannot, don't mess with me when I'm in beast mode. It's not gonna be fun. I'm just pre-warning you. It's kind of crazy actually. And the last one is godly. You can visibly see godly because you can see it in somebody's life. You see it in their heart, you see it in their actions, and you see how they trust God you know that they're fully dependent and fully relying on him. And you can only have it when you have that complete trust in God. So going back to that scene I told you about in the beginning, that was two years ago at the United States Marine Corps Wrestling Folkstyle Nationals, right before I was about to be called up to wrestle in the finals match, wrestling for first place. I was calm, I was in beast mode, and I was ready to go. And that exact same night, and what's really crazy about that is I wasn't uncertain. Casey talked about uncertainty. I wasn't nervous at all. I was so ready to go and I was so on fire. I wanted to win so bad. I'm a natural born winner, that's how I am. And that same night, I was up by three points in the second period, 15 seconds left. I made a simple mistake, as easy as stubbing your toe on the dresser in the morning, and I got put on my back and pinned. I took second, second in the nation. While a lot of people think that second is great, and full disclaimer, I'm fully grateful for the opportunity God gave me and every opportunity he ever has. But for me, second place was failure. I felt like a failure to my community. I felt like a failure to my school, to my family. See, because second place, if you've ever been in a sport, is you're not the best, you're the second best. And I was so upset with myself. My hopes, my dreams, and what seemed of my future had literally just fallen short by something about this much. Going home was even worse because while congratulations seems in this, for being second in the nation seems like something everybody wants to hear, for me, it's just a constant reminder that I was second, that I was last, that I wasn't last, but to me I was last, that I wasn't good enough to be the best in the nation. Within a one week of returning home, I play soccer, so I'd gotten kicked in the back of the head. I got a really severe concussion and I was out for eight weeks, including four weeks of my beginning junior season in wrestling. I felt weak and I felt useless, and of course, I had no mental strength. So when you think about it, if uncertainty doesn't describe my situation, then red and green are not Christmas colors because I was so uncertain. My physical and mental strength was completely gone. 
And every time after my concussion, I went back to practice. Anytime somebody got a takedown on me, anytime somebody scored points on me, anytime I got put on my back, the first thing instead of, Ella, get off your back. Ella, let's fight. Ella, let's work. Come on, you've got to go. The first thing I thought of was, Dad gum. 15 seconds left, three points ahead, and I got pinned. So when you look at godly strength, where does it come from? Because obviously, in that moment, I didn't have godly strength. And it comes from God. Everybody's taught this. And even if you weren't raised in a Christian community or Christian home, you learn that strength comes from a greater force. It's common knowledge. But you don't know you need it until you absolutely need it. See, because you don't need it when you're debating whether or not you want to go to cookout or wait 25 minutes to get a salad from Chick-fil-A. And you don't need it whether you're deciding if you want to watch The Big Bang Theory or The Office. But you do need it when you and your spouse are arguing, and next thing you know, there's divorce papers lying in front of you. You do need it whenever your father has been out of your life for four to five years, who knows how long, and he comes back asking for forgiveness. You do need it whenever whoever hurt you comes back and says, please forgive me. I'm so sorry for what I did to you. Because that's when you need godly strength. And it's so much easier to say no. Say, I'm not forgiving you. I'm not letting you back in my life. And I'm not being a part of it. I just don't want it. Because it's easier to sit there and sulk in it rather than face your uncertainty of what God can do in that life, in that moment. So on Isaiah 40, verse 31... It, God says, but those who trust in the Lord will find strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and they will not grow faith. And while this may seem like a verse that's on everybody's wall in their house, it is so, so true. After starting my junior season, 4 and 10, after I lost at Nationals, I was hurting. I remember praying to God saying, Lord, I am weak. Lord, I am weary. Lord, I need your strength. I am struggling and I don't know why. God, please, please help me. The next day at practice, I was practicing with my partner, as usual. And he got takedown after takedown. And this wasn't like other practices. This wasn't like, you know, uh, you know, scores on me a couple times, I get back and score. I'm talking constantly back to back, getting put on my back, easiest moves, and I'm telling you, it hurt. I started crying. I was in tears, sobbing. I walked out of the mat room. I said, coach, I need a minute. And I got up and I left. Thinking I was walking out by myself, I wasn't. My coach followed me. And he looks at me and he said, Ella, stop crying. I know you are hurting. And I know you feel like a failure. I saw it in your eyes after you lost. And I know you are hurting. I know you don't think you're good enough anymore. And I know you think your talent is trash. But Ella, go look at Job. He didn't test him for a reason. He didn't just put Job through every trial and let the devil screw up his life for no reason. He did it so he could build him. He did it so he could go, so he could learn. God was building him constantly. It hurt and he was hard, but because he listened, Job came out 10 times better, 10 times more of everything he had. Quit sitting in your failure, quit sitting in your doubt, and let God use you. So quickly, I gathered my tears took a couple minutes, but quickly I gathered my tears and I knew God had sent me my strength. God doesn't give us an uncertainty we can't handle because in Isaiah 41.10, he says, do not be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you victorious with my right hand. 
God is saying it straight forward to us. He's not just going to leave us there. He's going to pick us up with his right hand, and he's going to hold us victorious. He's going to hold us over everything, and it's going to seem hard, and it's going to hurt, but God doesn't do it for no reason. You see, because also in Isaiah 41, 13 through 16, he says, for I will hold you by your right hand. I, the Lord, your God, and I say to you, do not be afraid. I am here to help you. Though you are a lowly worm, O Jacob, do not be afraid, people of Israel, for I will help you. I am the Lord, your redeemer. I am the Holy One of Israel. You will be a new threshing instrument with many sharp teeth. You will tear your enemies apart. You will toss them in the air and the, into the wind and blow them away. Then you will rejoice in the Lord. You will glory in the Holy One of Israel. I don't know about you, but that verse speaks so much to me because God is telling me what he's going to do. He's telling me that though I may be a lowly worm, that he is going to pick me up and he is going to push me through it. I cannot tell you how strong and how powerful that is in my life. Because see, another big thing I look at is the song Firm Foundation by Maverick City Music. It says, I still got joy in chaos. I've got peace that makes no sense. So I won't be going under because I'm not held by my own strength. Because I've built my life on Jesus. He's never let me down. He's faithful in every season. So why would he fail now? And the only thing that will hold you back from this godly strength that will pick you up and hold you up here is your own sin. Sin is what puts you there, and it may seem easier to never to forgive, to drink yourself silly until you can't stand, to ignore everybody who loves you and who's trying to work in your life. But all that's doing is keeping you farther away from God and closer to sin. You can't physically fix your broken marriage. No matter how many times you try, you can't do that. And mentally, you cannot piece back together every broken heart that you've experienced or the hurt you've caused others. You can't physically or mentally do it because only God's strength can do that. And it only happens when you let him in and when you trust him. See, because every time that I trusted on my own strength, I kept falling short every single time. And I didn't understand until I cracked up in my Bible and I saw that what God was saying to me. Because God doesn't want you to trust on your own strength. Instead of picking up all your strength and trying to gather everything together, God wants you to get on your knees and say, Yahweh, Yahweh, fill me with your strength and not my own. And godly strength isn't just a fulfiller to be able to get through your hardships and your trouble. Godly strength is for ministering, leading, and guiding others to God's grace. See, last night at Unite, and I actually wrote this last night because I really had a hard time figuring out how I was going to transition into Caitlin, and God really spoke to me. Because at Unite last night, we sang the song, Build My Life, probably about five times. We sang it so many times. And every time I would sing it, but the speaker preached this message about ministering to others' lives and working in them and speaking to the non-believers in your life. And one of the verses says, open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. See, what's crazy is as many times as I sang that, that's not applicable in my life. I literally sat down and was sobbing and crying in the last time we sang this song. Because you see, I have a lot of friends at school. I'm very social, extroverted, holy cow. And <laughs> I kid you not, I could walk up to a random stranger and we'd be best friends in 20 minutes. See, but because I was weeping and sobbing is because so many of my close friends at school and all my friends, they aren't saved. And I know that I'm one of the only people in their lives that really knows God, that really has his faith in him, and that I'm one of the only lights in his life, their lives. And see, what's crazy is that I share it with them, but I don't share it with them. 
I don't share with the, I want you to be my brother and sister in Christ. You need to have this firm faith foundation with them. I'll just be like, yeah, yo, Jesus loves you. And see, that's not what God wants us to do. Because your light of shining with others should never be 50% covered up. It should be 100% open so everybody can see it. And I don't share it with them just because maybe they don't want to be my friend anymore. Maybe I'm just scared of how they're going to react. And God laid that on my heart, and it really broke me down. And I really, God just spoke to me. And it was, it was crazy because to me, I thought, yeah, I am sharing God with them, but really I'm not. So you should use your godly strength not only to help yourself and help your problems, but to evangelize to others because that's what God gives it to you, to reach out, to take that step into uncertainty because we aren't here forever and neither are they. And it isn't just for us, it's for everybody. So use your godly strength to minister, to evangelize to others as well. Thanks. So like Ella just said, we can still evangelize and share the gospel even in our uncertainty. So my story with mission trips and evangelism definitely go hand in hand with uncertainty. But it's not just me. Some of the disciples, Abraham, Moses, and the Israelites also struggle with this. Abraham was told that he would have a child at his old age, and he was very uncertain that this would happen. Moses, having no clue what he was doing, led the Israelites around in the desert, uncertain of where to go at times. The Israelites wandered in the desert looking for a promised land and was even uncertain if there was one. But the Lord was with them all and guided them through their uncertainty. And God did the same for the disciples. If we look into Acts 16, 6 through 10, it says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatea, having been kept by the Holy Spirit for preaching the word in the providence of Asia. When they came to the border of Messiah, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Messiah and went down to Tarras. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man in Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. That verse basically sums up what my experiences with missions has looked like. Some of you in the room have already heard my story and others of you have not. But I'm a lot like Paul and his companions when it comes to missions, especially when it comes to Guatemala. So a little backstory for you. When I was in the third grade, I heard about someone's mission trip to Guatemala and I knew that I should go there to do missions but I couldn't go on the youth trip until I was in the sixth grade. Fast forward to 10th grade, and I still have not made it. I've tried five times to go there, and every time the door was shut in my face. So just like Paul and his companions, God has kept me from sharing the gospel in Guatemala, but has sent me to other places instead. A mentor of mine and someone who I strive to be like, she told me that this is not a normal thing. That me still not making it to Guatemala is not normal. And she's right. I don't know why God has not allowed me to go, but I wouldn't trade the lessons I've learned or the experiences that I've had because of it for a trip to Guatemala. So just two months ago, me and my mom were invited by a friend of mine to go to Guatemala with her church. We immediately said yes, but two weeks before we were supposed to go on the trip, um, Guatemala closed its doors to only people who were vaccinated. So that left me and the majority of our team unable to go. 
but we soon found out that a door opened for us to be able to go to El Salvador to do the same work we would have done in Guatemala. So now we were preparing for El Salvador, but that soon screeched to a halt as well because my grandmother was dying of cancer. And on January 1st, sorry, a week before we were leaving for the mission trip, she passed away. We were unsure what to do at that point. The funeral was three days before the trip, and we were so unprepared. But at the, pa the, but at the funeral, the pastor kept talking about how she shared the gospel everywhere she went. She was talking to the doctors, the patients, the nurses. Anyone she met, she wanted them to know the love of Jesus. And me and my mom knew that she would want us to go, and that God was going to have everything under control. And he sure did. Because the mission trip to El Salvador was full of uncertainty. From the trip being canceled, to my grandmother dying, to then the flights being canceled on our way to the airport. And then my dad and my brother were awaiting COVID test results, and me and my mom were stuck in a 12-hour layover. And all this was happening before we even stepped foot in El Salvador. We were going around every corner and bumping into uncertainty, but it was the greatest and coolest thing because God was shown. We had no idea what we were doing or what we were going to say. And if you know me and my mom, we like to be prepared. But even through all the uncertain times and all the worries and the fears, the whole time we were praying and trusting that God was gonna pull through and he did. He showed us reasons why we were there and not in Guatemala. He showed me to come to him about everything that happens and to trust him in all the uncertainty that I will face. And in Isaiah 43:2, it says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. And my grandmother and I, we love that verse because it tells us that no matter what we're going through, that he's gonna be right there with us. So in the uncertainty, he is with us. And in the unknown, he is with us. And in the fears, he is with us. In the good, in the bad, he's with us. Sometimes we get so caught up in our uncertainties that we forget that our God is guiding us through them. I'm very guilty of that. Many times when the door got closed to Guatemala, I got caught up in what was going on and in my disappointment and uncertainty that I forgot that he was right there with me. There was even a point in my uncertainty that I built up walls between me and others and walls between me and God. It was a difficult time because I was getting caught up in my uncertainty that I forgot that God was right there with me. So this is a Lego minifigure pack from Walmart. So my brother and my cousin, they love these things. But to me, it's just uncertainty because this is the list of all the minifigures that could possibly be in that one pack. And my brother and my cousin, they feel around and they try to find the one they want. They look for certain things like an object that they could find in the packs. So like this person's pointy hat. Then they would look in all of the packs until they found the one they want. But they can look and make all the assumptions that they want. But they're not going to know what's inside until they just open it. It's kind of like in our uncertainty. Because we don't know what the future will hold just like we don't know what minifigure is going to be in that pack. And my, um, sorry. 
but we need to stop looking in the pack for a hat or look in our uncertainty for a clue to try to figure it all out. We need to look for God because he promises in Isaiah 43 too, to be there with us in our uncertainty. So I have to continue to remind myself of that even now as we're preparing to go to Guatemala again. So Warehouse is taking a trip to Guatemala in spring break and me and my mom are planning on going. The whole trip is a big question mark. There's just a lot of things standing in our way of the trip. But we're still gonna step out in faith and go because that's what God calls us to do. God calls us to go in Mark 16, 15. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Nowhere in that verse does it give a map or lay out a game plan like I wish you would have done. All it says is to go and share the gospel with others. And that's what I'm going to do, whether that's in Guatemala or here in my hometown. Because the go in that verse actually means as you go. So that means in Shelby, in Guatemala, in your school, in Nepal, and even in your own neighborhood. But God has given me a passion to go out of the U.S. So while I'm trying to go on the mission trips, I'm going to have to remind myself of what God says in John 16:33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. That verse tells us that life's not going to be a piece of cake. That there's going to be struggles, hardships, unknown, and uncertainty. But we need to take heart, which actually means to take comfort. We need to take comfort in the Lord in those times. In our uncertainty, we need to take comfort in the Lord and trust in him. Just like Jesus said in John 16, there have been and will be hard times and times of uncertainty. There's uncertainty and struggles up ahead for each and every one of us. But we need to take these scriptures of what God says and keep them in our hearts. Because you never know when struggles will come. But we need to be able to go to God and take our comfort in him. We may go through uncertainty and unknown, but we don't have an unknown God. He's there with us, and he can show himself through our struggles and our weaknesses. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Corey Ten Boone said those words, and she would definitely know what they mean, because she lived during the Holocaust, and she was put in a concentration camp because she helped Jews. Her life was full of unknown and uncertainty, but yet she trusted in God through it all, and that's inspiring. My future is going to be full of uncertainty. God has called me to be a missionary. Don't exactly know where or how. I hate crying. But I do know that that is what my future will look like. And if I'm being honest, that's quite terrifying. But I know I wouldn't be happier doing anything else. Brian always talks about how when he preaches some of his messages, his wife will ask him if he had heard what he was preaching about because he needed to learn from it. And that's how I feel when talking to you about uncertainty. Because I needed this message just as much as most of you. Because I need to be reminded of what God has done before in my uncertainty. And I know what he can do even through it now. So, I'm going to leave y'all with a question. Are we going to let uncertainty in our lives stop us from trusting God? That was good. Good job, Ken. Can you give it a round of applause again? So I'm going to be in Exodus 14. If you want to turn there in your Bibles, I'm just going to go ahead and start. In our lives, times can seem uncertain. You don't know what to do. 
or even what to believe in. I know in my life I've felt this way many times, like nothing is going my way, or your life is just falling apart right there in front of you. So I want to ask you a question as we're, I got a little bit of time and we've had three people speak. What is your uncertainty in life right now? Maybe it's work. Maybe it's even school. Or maybe even you just have uncertainty about God right now or in your future. See, in Exodus 14, verses 10 through 14, the Israelites started to be uncertain about God's plan. When they see the Pharaoh's army start approaching, they start to question why they left Egypt and the Lord's plan and Moses. In verses 10 through 12, as Moses approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians. Marching after them, they were terrified and cried out to the Lord. And they said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us to Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? In our life, in our walk with God, we have times and trials like these that can leave us in places of uncertainty and brokenness. I know in my life it has, especially one day in particular, four years ago, almost. December, December 5th, 2018. My biggest time of trial and uncertainty. Many of y'all know the story and many of y'all don't, but I'm just going to give you a little summary. My mom passed on that day. The woman of my life passed on that day. The woman I looked up to passed on that day. And it was hard. Like, just like the Israelites questioned Moses, I questioned God. Like, how can the king of kings, the Lord of lords, let this happen to me? That's what I asked. Why, God? Why? The Israelites were scared. And they saw the enemy. But they got to the other side and they were good. Most of the time when, when we're in our trial and in our certainty and God has a plan for us, we're good on the other side. God parted the sea as we know further down in this chapter. But right now, if you're going through what I've been through, I want to tell you just to it might be sound like just pray. Get down on your knees and pray because that's what God wants you to do. And, it, and it's worth it. But God right now is probably testing you just like the enemy tested Job. But see, he was faithful. He got everything taken away besides his wife, and he was, but he was still faithful. At that at the time, I was uncertain I was not faithful. I just started to get uncertain. Like, like I said, how could God let this happen to me? 
Yes, there were times where I fall, but we all fall, right? But, and I started crying to him. I remember crying in my basement saying, God, why? God, why? The day before a funeral. But an old pastor of mine told me that it's not God's fault, Bryson. It's not God's fault. Sin entered into the world in the garden, and that's how death entered into the world. But I didn't want to hear that. I couldn't quite wrap my head around what he was saying because at that time, I just wanted to question God. I want to sit at the table and question what God is doing. I just wanted to keep questioning him and keep questioning him. But God didn't let the Israelites down. God won't let you down in your uncertainty. If you, had, if you just had a loved one passed or you just got laid off from work and you don't know what to do, God won't let you down. Maybe like, you, like, like Ella said, there's divorce papers right in front of you. God won't let you down. He's never let us down. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He will always be the same God. He was the same God in the garden. He was the same God with the Israelites. And he's the same God that's in this room that's been moving since 930. In verse 13 and 14, Moses tells the Israelites, do not be afraid. That is said a lot throughout the Bible. He also says, stand firm and you will... See the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see, you will never see again. <laughs> if you ask me, that's powerful. Stand firm. And, but that's easier said than done, to stand firm. Because me, I wanted to keep carrying my weight and to keep going in life. I didn't want to sit down and read my Bible. I wanted to keep going in life. I wanted to get out of that brokenness, but I didn't want to trust in God at that time because I feel like God has let me down, and I was very uncertain about what God was going to do next. In verse 14, Moses says this, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. You need only to be still. That's hard because me, I don't, I don't like to sit at the house. I don't know about y'all, but I don't like to sit at the house and sit around and just sit in my, in my room and in my basement and lay down. I want to go do things, even with gas that's about to be $5 a gallon. That's crazy if you ask me. <laughs> but I still want to go go do things. I want, to go, I want to go hang out with my girlfriend. I want to come to church. I want to, I want to go play golf. I, I, I want to go hang out with my friends. I want to go do things. I can't just sit around because that's when my mind starts to work. That's when I start to get uncertain. Because when it's hard, like I said, it's hard. When you're uncertain, you're worried, you're scared about what's going to happen next, just like the Israelites were. God won't let you down. He will guide you through your storm, through your uncertainty. But maybe you're here today, 
and you're doubting. You're doubting. You're, you're just doubting God. Pray to him. Be real with him. Come at his feet and lay everything that is going on in your life at his feet. He wants us to do that. He wants us to take that time to lay it down, to cry to him. Even though he knows what's going on, he wants us to be real with him. In Malachi 6, I mean 3, 6, the, Lord's, the Bible says, I, the Lord, do not change. The Lord don't change. The Lord won't change. See, like I said, he's, he's the same God. He's the same God. And as, as I walk through life, I start to see that more and more. These past four years, I've started to see that more and more, that God is the same God. God has guided me through that and is still guiding me through that. I still struggle with my mom passing going on four years today. You know, I wish she was sitting right here at the front row, but she's not. She's in heaven watching me right now, and I have faith in that. Even through everything she's done and all the sins she's done, she was, I know the day she died, she was a believer. God was faithful to the Israelites, and he will be faithful to you. Maybe, in your, maybe you're, it's just your future. Maybe you're just scared. You don't know what's going to happen next. Like I said, you, you, you probably just got laid off from your job. I don't know. Maybe you're at school and you're a senior like me and you don't know what you're going to do. You don't know what the next year is about to hold. You see, God says in the Bible 365 times, do not fear. That's, that's crazy if you ask me. Because when he wrote this Bible, when, when, when he was... When these people were writing these Bible and he was giving them to write this Bible, do not fear. That's, that's one time for every day. To not fear God. You see, he says, do not fear 57 times and do not be afraid 46 times. And that's, that's, that's just crazy because I, I just can't wrap my head around it how God knew we would need, do not fear or do not be afraid, 365 times in the Bible, which is one day or one year. Can you uh, go to the beginning page, please? The first one, not, not sure, the title. Title, yeah. All right, I got four steps on how to rely on God in uncertainty. One, anchor to God's unchanging character. In James 1, 7, 17, God, it says, God never changes or casts a shifting shadow. God is steady, reliable, anchoring in our faith, and has an, he has unchanging char 
character enables us to hold firm the high seas of uncertainty. Two, cling to God's word. In Psalms 119.105 says, your word is the lamb to guide my feet, a light on my path. Also in Psalms 119.147, I rise before, I cry, I cry out for help and put my hope in your words. Feeding on faith with scripture cultivates hope in hard times. Three, claim God's promises. Psalms 119.104 remains. Your promises have been truly, I mean, thoroughly tested. That's why I've loved them so much. Psalms 119.148 adds, I stay awake through the night thinking about your promises. Holding the hard rail of God's promises leads us safely through storms. And remember God's faithfulness. Fourth and final one. Psalms 143 says, I remember the old days. I ponder all your great works and think about what you have done. Remembering God's word has done, remembering what God has done for us in the past builds confidence for the future. So stand firm. And you will see the deliverance. And the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. The band's going to come up. And I'm going to pray for us real quick. If you're needing any time to pray where you're at right now or right here in this altar, it is open. Because, like I said, God wants us to come to his feet and pray to him. Dear Heavenly Father. We come forth to you today, and I thank you for letting me and Caitlin and Ella and Casey to preach your word. I thank you for just giving us and being here today, Lord. Lord, I pray for anybody in these seats, Lord, that is going through what, I've, what we've talked about. I pray that you would just touch their heart, Lord, heal them, Lord, and free them from that. I pray that as they walk out of this place today, Lord, that they can just have freedom in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.